Um, John chapter 21, and we're going to read the entire chapter, but we'll do it as we go through it. And the, the, we've been doing and talking about Peter, and um, last week we did Peter, you know, don't rock the boat. <laughs> and uh, that was when Peter was, saw Jesus walking on water, and he, got, he jumped out of the boat and walked uh, to Jesus on the water. Well, this is the kind of like the third experience that we have with Peter, and how that Peter is now confronted with Jesus, and he is uh, confronted with the idea when Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And um, Peter is uh, uh, inclined to respond to that um, admonition. Well, you know, Lord, that I do. But there's um, many things going on in this, in this chapter, I think, that are, that are very comparable to who we are. And this is the experience now that we have with Peter. Is, it's after the crucifixion and the resurrection, and it's before Pentecost. So it's that period of time in which they are, have left Jerusalem, have found their way back to Galilee, and... Jesus has now appeared to them in this chapter, and they have to be confronted with, they're confronted with Jesus and kind of their life and where they're at. And we know that this chapter, we have it as a time when the disciples, they kind of didn't know what to do. They didn't have an idea as to where they should go. I mean, they spent three years with Jesus, and they had this preconceived idea that Jesus is going to set up a kingdom like David had a kingdom, and, you know, this earthly kingdom, and, and the disciples had felt that they were going to be on his right and on his left, and they were going to be rulers over this kingdom. Well, when the crucifixion came, that changed all of that. Their hopes of that type of a kingdom fell apart, and then we have the resurrection, and Jesus is risen from the dead, and they were all amazed at that and are, are, you know, wow, what a wonderful thing. Jesus is alive and he has appeared to the disciples twice now. But what does that have to do with them? So they don't know. They're kind of stuck in the middle as, well, what are we going to do now? So it comes to their, we, when he, they come to their understanding here that the, there's seven of them. And they made their way back from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee and they're going back to where they originally had this call upon their life, where Peter first met Jesus, and Jesus called him out of the boat and come, and I will make you fishers of men. So what happens whenever we don't know where to go? Sometimes we just go back to where it all started. Kind of go back to where we, where we began this, this whole journey and see where it leads us. So this is what we have going on with, with Peter. And so we look at chapter 21 verses 1, 2, and 3, and we're reading from the Message Bible. Well, and it says, After this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. And this is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the, other, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. So, What's interesting is we look at this chapter and look at what's going on. They appear that they don't know what to do next. They've had some tremendous things go on in their life. They've been taught by the best, Jesus. He's the master teacher. 
They have knowledge about the kingdom of God. It's, it's above any of the rabbis. And, but they also have the death of Jesus. They have the resurrection of Jesus. And they have the question, what are we going to do now? So they find their way back to the Sea of Galilee. While, they're there, while they are at the Sea of Galilee, I imagine they're just talking about what, you know, what's going on in the events of the day. And Peter comes up with the idea, let's go fishing. Now, you have to understand um, the, that this idea of going fishing wasn't like you and I, you know, we don't have anything to do, let's go fishing. Well, let's look at verse 3 and 4. So Peter announces, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them replied, we're going with you. They went out and got in the boat, and they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. So the other seven... They didn't know what to do either, so we're going with you. So they all got in the boat and went, went fishing. This isn't an idea of a night out relaxing. <laughs> Perhaps they needed money. Why? Well, Judas, <laughs> he was the treasurer, and uh, he hung himself, and the, the treasury has disappeared, and they had no one giving to their ministry because... Jesus is not there. He's not teaching anything. He's, there's no messages. There's no miracles. There's no crowds. And there's no supply for them as individuals. And there was no savings for them to draw on. So they said, let's go fishing. So they fished all night and they caught nothing. And frustrated with the old life and not sure of what they were to do in this new life, They went fishing. Isn't it in understanding how that sometimes whenever we're in a transition, that we're transitioning from one thing of life to another point of life, that we're kind of stuck in the middle as to which way we should go and how we should do things. Well, the thing I, I, I look at, there are a number of points in this that, that I, I, I like in, in personally and things, is that Jesus is on the shore so they, first of all, it's nighttime. It's in the evening when they go fishing. And they fish all night. So they have been fishing all night. And in the morning, in the, in the early light, Jesus is on the shore. And they didn't recognize him. Okay? You spend three years with someone and not recognize them. Well, it's early in the morning, and it's perhaps, the, 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 one translation has it, they're about 100 yards from shore. So it's in the morning time, and they, they don't recognize him, but the, Jesus is there, and they don't recognize him. How many times has God showed up in our lives, been around us, been there all the time, and we didn't recognize him? We didn't recognize the hand of God. We didn't recognize the provision. We didn't recognize that it was Jesus there. And what does Jesus ask them? What is he asking? He said, in verse 3, Good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. It reminds me of uh, Jesus with the blind man. He says, um, what do you want? And the blind man says, well, I want to see. The obvious. We spoke about prayer this morning in Sunday school. Whenever we talk to God, what do we tell him? I mean, do we have to make some flowery, flowery 
you know, very embellished prayer so that he understands it? Do we make something, or do we just talk to him about who we are and what our every need, everyday needs are? And we are to recognize what our need in life is. And whenever we recognize that need in our life, and we start talking about it and making it a prayer, and you, that little voice, that little idea inside of you says, oh, you know what, I should ask God for this. I should pray about this. And that little voice inside of us, I believe, is the Spirit speaking to us and saying, nothing is impossible with God. And whenever we look at our life and we make those assumptions, we make those prayers, then, of course, there's the other side that comes in and says, well, you don't really need that. <laughs> That's really not that important to the kingdom of God. That's really not something that, and there's this battle going back and forth in our mind about how we should pray and what we should pray for. Sometimes it happens in our relationships with people. You know, is the joy of our life still there in that relationship? Is the life, is the life that you once felt still alive inside of you? And see, Peter felt that he would be a leader in the kingdom of God. But that whole idea has diminished. And now he's fishing again. He's back to what he used to be, a fisher on the Sea of Galilee. And this is what I think of whenever we are looking at our life, that we get stuck in a transition, that Jesus is, he, Jesus is here. Jesus is with us. Why? Because he can never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus has a plan. Now, there are many things that we have been a part of in our life that have witnessed the miracles of God, and yet here we are, as like Peter and the seven, out doing our old thing again, trying to recreate something that was, and God is interested in taking us someplace new. So, it's like the old saying, don't curse the darkness, move into the light. <laughs> don't Focus on what's wrong with my life. Look at what God has done in our life and move on. Jesus, he asked the obvious question. Did you catch anything? Do you have any food for breakfast? What were the disciples doing? Fishing all night. Peter's an experienced fisherman. He made his life doing this. They fished all night. He said, did you catch anything? And the answer is, huh? No. <laughs> How do you think they answered this guy on shore? They don't know who he is. You've been fishing all night. Did you catch anything for breakfast? No. Some <laughs> guy on shore rubbing it in, you know. <laughs> that guy's out there. He's just, he, he you know, Who's that over there on the shore asking if we caught anything for breakfast? <laughs> well, then throw the net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> I've never been fishing, you know, nothing to amount to anything. But if I've been fishing off to the left, left side of the boat, and somebody says, hey, David, did you catch anything? And I say, no. He says, put the rod on the other side of the boat. Oh, okay, that'll make a difference. <laughs> that'll really change everything, won't it? 
Jesus is here. We don't recognize him. We're in a transition. Where do we go? We go back to what is familiar. What's the difference between the right side of the boat and the left side of the boat? There are little acts of obedience that make all of the difference in the world. There are, we call, sometimes we call them random acts of kindness. Little acts of kindness that make all the difference in the world to someone. Words of encouragement. Words of comfort that make all of the difference in the world. And so here we have the left side of the boat, perhaps the dreams of the kingdom of God, like David coming, and we, we fish and we're throwing the net out there, and, and we, we catch nothing because that was what we expected God to do in our life. But on the other side of the boat is a little act of obedience coming from this person on shore that we're really not sure who he is, the disciples. And this act of obedience of throwing the net on that side was that they were now going to move from a kingdom like David's to a kingdom that they could never imagine, of a, of a way that God wanted to work in their life. And see, we look at ourselves sometimes and we're, we're in a boat of our life, and we say, what's going to make a difference? How is my life ever going to be different? How is my life ever going to be important? And we keep fishing the old way. And God says, give your life to me. God says to us through his spirit and his word, pray. Ask me to direct your life. God says to us, come to Sunday school, come to church, be involved. A little act of kindness. Oh, it's the same boat. One side represents one thing, another side represents you know, a little act of obedience that makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> See, how do we know what God will do with our act of obedience. And we're not, we're not talking about moving our life, moving ourselves to El Salvador, or moving to Africa, or changing communities, or changing homes, or whatever. We're looking at the little acts of obedience that are very simple acts, and we'll say, what does that matter? But these are simple acts given to us by this person on shore and we're not sure who he is, but there's one way to find out. As we respond to what he says, something happens. <laughs> when, the net, when they threw the net over the right side, verse 16, the second part, it says, they did what he said, and all of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. So here are seven guys not strong enough to pull in the net because of what happened in a moment of obedience. Now, this isn't a massive act of obedience. This is a little act of obedience that flies in the face of almost stupidity. 
You've been throwing the net on the left. Now throw it on the right. (laughs) In our lives, sometimes it's those little things that we do out of faith that produce the greatest results, that produce the greatest changes, that we just simply do something the same way but on a, from a different perspective, from a different expectation. I expect something different. Remember insanity, according to the great prophet? Who is he? Einstein, yeah, <laughs> he thought I was going to say Moses. <laughs> Just kidding. Einstein, what is Einstein's continuing the same behavior and expecting a different result? <laughs> you see, we look at our life and we say, I'm going to do, you know, I've done this a thousand times, but you know what? My expectation was, in Peter's case, kingdom like David's. Now Jesus wants to do it, a kingdom like you can't imagine. Hmm, we put it on this side. So there were so many fish, they couldn't pull them in. Did you ever, you know, sometimes, just sitting around thinking, uh, sometimes you have too much time on your hands, but can you imagine the disciples? Do you think they had their favorite miracles? So here are these seven disciples. They're sitting around the campfire, perhaps the night before, and they're reviewing. Well, I remember when, do you think they had their favorite miracles? I remember when Jesus did this. I remember when Jesus did that. I remember, because we do it. Why would the disciples be any different than us? So they're sitting around here. This is, just be, this is before Peter says, you know what? We're going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm about the rest of you. You can sit here all night and talk, but I'm going to go do something. Peter had a way of doing that. So they're sitting around the campfire here, and I'm imagining this. It's not in the scriptures, but I can imagine it. And one of the miracles, I think, was on the top ten list of all the disciples was the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this is 5,000 men plus women and children. Why was it on the top 10 list? Because every one of them was involved in the miracle. They found a boy with five loaves and two fishes. All the disciples had a basket. So you got this kid with a lunch, and Jesus blesses the lunch, and he fills up the basket of each of the disciples. Now Jesus says, each of you go to a section and feed the people in your section. They went and fed all the people in their sections. 5,000 people plus women and children, all in sections. And then Jesus says, go pick up the reserves. They went back and picked up the reserves, and each of them came forward with a basket full of bread and fish. Nothing was diminished with the use of with the eating of God's provision. Nothing is diminished when, out of God's provisions. When God provides for us, it isn't like we're robbing from someone else. I, don't, I can't pray for that because there's somebody else needs that. Oh, like God doesn't have enough to go around. <laughs> God's storehouse is not diminished with use. So the disciples, here they are, and I think, that this, I think that this act of all the fish in the net might have reminded them of that particular miracle. 
So what happened? Here in the text, the part that is, I think, another one of those very interesting parts. He said, throw the net, verse 6, throw the net off the side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden there was many fish in it, and they weren't enough to pull it over. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to it's the master. Now, we can kind of surmise from this what happens in this text where a little later on Peter and Jesus are together and uh, said, Peter, do you love me? So we know that Peter was probably agonizing over his denial of Jesus because he was so vocal in saying, I'll never, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I don't care if they kill me, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me, Peter. Oh, no, not me, not me. And Peter did. Well, here is, they're in the boat. They've got, and a little later we find 153 large fish. They can't pull it in. And John says, Peter, that's Jesus. What? Peter, that's the master. You're kidding. Now, it says Peter put on his robe. It meant that they, they kind of stripped down, you know, had their you know, guys out on the boat. They weren't wearing their best clothing and stuff. They're, you know, because they're working. They don't want to smell all like fish. So anyhow, Peter puts on his, his robe and he jumps in the lake and he swims to Jesus. And he has some private time with he and Jesus. Because he, he, he couldn't live with himself, as it were, over what he had done. So, verse 10 and 11 says, we don't know what, what happened when Peter and, and uh, Jesus are together. There's no conversation there, but we see some of the other events that transpire. Verse 10 and 11, Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled up the net to the shore and 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. <laughs> well, we'll just, we'll just look at this. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the master. They had come to shore. Jesus had taken the time to prepare the fish. They took of what they had caught. Jesus had prepared it. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus then took the bread and he gave it to them. What's this sound like? It sounds like the night that Jesus was betrayed. The Last Supper. Jesus took the bread of this early morning time with the disciples. He took the bread... And what? He gave it to them, and they ate. He did the same with the fish. Cooked it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. And I, I'm thinking that this is really, you know, what is Peter having a difficult time with? He's having a difficult time with the Last Supper and with his denial of Jesus. He's having a very difficult time adjusting that God is going to forgive him, that Jesus would forgive him for such a betrayal. 
And so Jesus is recreating, as it were, the situation of the the Last Supper, and he's going to confront Peter with this very thing that he did that he can't can't deal with in himself. Because you can't go back and undo what you've done. We can't go back and unsay what we've said. We can't go back and change the past. So Jesus brings the situation right into the present and confronts the disciples with with that time. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John... Do you love me more than these? This first time in, in this, and there's a lot of different words in the Greek that go in here, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so what I read and, and so on, it says that, and this first one is like, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than um, all the, the things that surround, uh, surround you in life? And Peter says, well, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, again, Peter is transitioning from his thoughts of a David kingdom in which there is a king on a throne and has has rulers and vice presidents and everybody around him. And Jesus is transitioning him to a spiritual kingdom and a church and leaders and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And they're not there yet. See, in our lives, we haven't reached the end yet. We're in the journey. We're on this journey of transitioning from one part of our life to another part of our life, and we'll always be in that transition time until we reach heaven. And so all of us will transition through times of our life, and it'll be the simple acts of obedience that will take us from one way of thinking, throwing the net all night on one side of the boat, Throwing it on the other side of the boat? That simple to make a transition was an act of obedience to someone on shore. Jesus says to Peter, he didn't bring up and say, Peter, you remember that night that the cock crowed three times and you denied me? He didn't bring that up. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these, all these things that surround our life? Peter says, well, you know I do. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He asked him a second time, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Well, yes, master, you know that I love you. This has to deal with perhaps the the outward things, and then we have the personal possessions. Peter, do you love me more than the things that you own? Well, Well, of course, Jesus, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Third time. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this one is the understanding, do you consider me your friend? That's what this, this, this last one. Do you consider me your friend? And Peter was like upset that he was asked for the third time and asked this, this type of a question. Me. I've given my life for you. I've been with you three years. But you see, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Jesus relives that place in Peter's life that night, and he relives it here with him in these three questions. Because, not because Jesus can't forgive him, 
because Peter can't let it go. Are there things in our life from our past you just can't let go? Are there things that take place in our life that we just kind of relive them? Jesus has left it go. Can you? Can I? And God says to us, do you really love me? Do you love me more than all of these? Do you love me more than the things that you own? Do you really consider me your friend? And Peter is, you know, he's like, and he goes on, he says, God, you know all things. Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. He said, I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint of the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. Jesus tells Peter, basically, let go of those things. Because your life is going to be of such importance and such value that what people do to you, they think they're doing to me. And they're going to take you and lead you and kill you for your faith. You didn't die that night of the crucifixion, but you will have your opportunity to live for me and not deny me in your future. But that's way out from here. And we would think that this would be enough, okay? We would think that, well, Peter finally gets it. Peter finally understands. And then verse 20 and 21, you know, and the Bible never hides character flaws, okay? The Bible presents very real people who have very real personalities and very real challenges. And in verse 20 and 21 says, turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple John loved, you know, following behind. And Peter noticed him. He asked Jesus, Master, What's going to happen to him? <laughs> Peter, Jesus has just taken Peter through the night of the crucifixion, through the, you know, through the, the repentance, and, and he wanted to have some face time with Jesus, and he wanted to get this off his chest. He couldn't live beyond it, and he just couldn't move beyond it in his life. And Jesus takes him through all of these things, and as it were, gets rid of all that garbage that went with that, denied, with that night in which he denied Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, you're going to have a time in which people are going to lead you and they're going to bind you and they're going to crucify you for following me. Okay? Jesus, what about John? <laughs> What's going to happen to him? Is he going to be like me? And Jesus says, Peter, whether John lives until I come back again, don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. (laughs) And Peter, you see, there's a whole process of growth and change and transition going on in Peter's life. From the time that he was this brash fisherman to the time in which he becomes the leader of the church, Peter is a person of transition and change and personal growth. That's us. There are times we have to deal with the past. We have to let it go. Jesus forgives us. Let it go. Well, what about the... Forgive and let it go. 
you're going to have your opportunities in the future to challenge all those things that you did wrong in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. But for now, remember this. There's a little act of obedience as we listen to God's words spoken to our lives. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. I threw the net on this side. Why should I throw it on that side? That's the logic that gets us here. But the faith that reaches us here says, I know I've done this a thousand times before, but God, I believe you want me to do it again. I'll do it this way again, but the way you told me to. And everything changes. That's the God that we walk with every day. He is there most of the time unnoticed by us. He's telling us the same simple message. Love me. Love others. Forgive. Grow on in your life. Change from the inside out. Let go of your past. I have a future for you. Now, today... Do the same thing you've always done, but do it from a different perspective. And watch what a difference I will make in your life. Peter, just like us. Amen? Let's stand. Tip-off's at 12 for the pa Panthers, so i got to get out of here. So. <laughs> yeah. But you see... God loves us, and he laughs with us. He laughs with us. He enjoys, he enjoys you more than you enjoy yourself. He's not stiff-necked and stiff-laced and don't smile, don't laugh, you know, do this, do that. It is, it is a relational experience in which God wants us to laugh. Enjoy the trip. I've fished all night. I haven't caught a thing. Well, you know, maybe you're just not the experienced fisherman you think you are. But there's this guy on shore who says, throw your net on the other side. Enjoy yourself. So I throw it on the other side. I'll do it a different way. I'll do it a different way. See, what God works in our lives. And sometimes we don't recognize it. Remember, listen to his voice. It will always confirm his word. He'll never ask you to do something that's not written. He'll never ask you to do wild and crazy things, except maybe jump out of the boat once in a while. <laughs> that was last week. But we look at this. doesn't happen every week. just happened once in their life. And tonight, today's lesson was the same thing, just another step in the growth of Peter. That's us, another step in the growth of your life. Jesus, we give to you our lives. We ask you, O oh God, to forgive us of our sins, to live within our hearts. God, the things that we cannot let go of, Lord, you have already. Help us to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, and let it go. For you have a future before us, and Lord, our life is not entangled in our past. Our life, O oh God, is in our future with you. In the simple acts of obedience, of love and forgiveness, you change us from the inside out every day. 
Change us, O Lord. Bless us, O Lord. We might continue to follow you in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. For you are the owner. We are stewards of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's go fishing. <laughs>